Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Cool Time Life, being released Monday, March the 6th, 2017. I'm Steve Prentice. Let me start by telling you a story. This is the story of a person whose furnace goes cold. One day they wake up, they notice that their house is cold. The furnace is not working. They call the furnace company who sends a technician around to fix the problem. The homeowner welcomes the furnace technician into the house. The homeowner hears the boots going down the stairs. Clump, 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 clump. The homeowner listens and hears one single clang. Clang! At which point, the furnace fires up, warm air comes back through the vents, everything sounds great. So then the boots come back up the stairs. Clump, 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 clump. And the technician says, All done. May I now present you with the bill? Homeowner says, Sure. The furnace technician hands over the bill. The homeowner looks at it and says, $500? But you were just down there for 30 seconds. How can it possibly be $500? So the technician says, would you like me to itemize the bill for you? Yes, please, I would. So the technician writes out on the bill, hitting the furnace with a hammer, $5. Knowing where to hit, $495. I just love that story because more than anything, it conveys the value of a person's expertise, which is not always visible. Time is valuable. Your time is valuable. And the art of staying fully aware of that is a life skill that needs to be practiced and maintained. People who are self-employed, for example, or who work in a small business can very easily fall into the trap of undervaluing their services, maybe doing some of it for free. I can't charge for a five-minute phone call, they will say, or invoicing is just part of overhead. I cannot charge for that. And the same applies for people who work in companies on salary. They might not feel like they have a direct impact on how they price their services, but they still give away too much. Whatever work you do, the value of the time you spend on a task has a long tail that stretches far into the past. The years that you invested in your education, all those years of study, plus the years that you have spent doing this work, or even the work of your previous job, have shaped you into a professional person with skills and experience that all have value. But that long tail of value is so easily forgotten or overruled. When a customer asks for 10 minutes of your time, and by customer, I'm not only meaning the direct small business customer, but also internal office colleagues, even your boss, they are still customers. They are still buying your experience and your service. When they buy 10 minutes of your time, they are also buying all of those years that went into making those minutes valuable. So when you're sitting in a meeting that starts late because Bob hasn't arrived yet, you and everyone else around that meeting room table are giving away that time that took years, collectively and individually, to craft. When your significant other asks you to stop off and pick up some milk on the way home, you think nothing of it, but that's at least 20 minutes of your life that you are giving away. Yes, you might be pleasing your partner by doing a favor in this case, but there is value in that, and my argument is there is always a better way to deliver this and every other service. The spontaneous giving away of your time in any circumstance is not only a tragic waste, but it also sets a precedent. The expectation to do the same again and again will always be there. The 80-20 rule. In support of this, I must tell you that I spend a lot of my time, my speaking time that is, showing people how to do better with their own time. 
And one of the points that I mention, in addition to the furnace repair technician story, one of the things I always mention and will always stand behind is the 80-20 rule. Specifically in this case, that you can get more done in 80% of your time than you can in 100% of your time. The point is that that 20% is invested, not spent, but invested in proactively managing the events to come. This means planning. It also means networking, building relationships, and yes, even relaxing. But let me just focus right now on planning for this moment. Part of this 20% of this day, and tomorrow and the next day, should be used to prepare a calendar that realistically questions how long each activity should be, and then helps identify the number of activities that you can realistically, not optimistically, but realistically fit into your day. It asks these questions before you actually get started on any of them. And most importantly, this calendar sets up a roadmap of operation for the day. Without this map, you will drift. It's as easy as that. But this is where I often get pushback from my audiences, or at least questioning. People will say to me, Steve, do you spend all of your time every day just updating your calendar and your to-do lists? And that usually gets a laugh. But I answer, yes, yes, I do. And that also gets a laugh. But here's my point on this. People think that this activity, updating the calendar, that is to say your personal project plan, so regularly and so often is extra work, more stuff on your plate. But in actual fact, you'll be spending this time anyway, in fact, more of it, if you just try to get these things done in real time in an unplanned fashion. Let me explain. Take email as an example. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, episode 5, Staying Conscious, email steals a great deal of time from you. It is not just the time spent responding to these emails, but also the time required to recuperate from the distraction. It really is a literal drain on your system. So if you handle 10 or 20 or 50 or more emails per day, you deal with the sum total of time required to write and respond to these, plus many, many, many minutes of recuperation time, which amounts to hours lost per day, working in sub-par mental capacity. But if you plan your email handling time, let's say assigning yourself three blocks of 20 minutes per day to respond, Not only do you eliminate the recuperation time because you choose to answer these emails consciously rather than getting taken by surprise by them, but you are also able to frame them. Let's say by aiming to respond to 10 emails inside of a 20-minute block, you can change your actual approach to work to fit inside this defined box of time. No more drifting. You stay on track. So you can do the emails in a casual, unplanned way, which might literally take three hours out of your busy workday, or you can plan how and when to do them and cut that amount by at least half. That is the power of planning. It isn't extra work. It is less work in total. The planning plus the work ends up being far less than casual work by itself. The power of Twitter as a tool for ongoing education. Another thing that gets my audiences a little nervous or incredulous is when I talk about the power of Twitter. Seldom do I get more than a couple of hands up when I ask them how many people in this room use Twitter as a tool of professional development. Most people think that Twitter is useless when they themselves have nothing to say, and they also think that the rest of it is pure junk. Well, yes, maybe most of it is junk. But I remind them that there are a few people out there, a very few, that are worth 
reading worth paying attention to. Thought leaders, subject matter experts in your industry, your customers, your competitors. But the reaction is always the same. I don't have the time to browse social media, they will say. But my argument is, you invest time in formalized ongoing education already. You might even wait months to get hold of a training course from your employer. That's a lot of time drifting by, lost to inadequate knowledge. Imagine, for example, trying to catch up on a breaking development that affects your company. The minutes or hours needed to get caught up retroactively after these things happen or after your industry has a major change will always exceed those that you could spend just by reading a few minutes here and there every day on a daily basis. Catch up costs, but proactive action invests. Proactivity beats reactivity every time. Whenever you think about a proactive action, which is part of that 20% of the time I mentioned before, whenever you think that this is too much extra work, remember it will end up being less work and costing less time than if you just simply let things happen in a casual, unplanned way. This not only includes planning your email and investing in Twitter education in the ways I've just discussed, but it also points to things like managing by walking around. That is to say, investing some time in talking to your colleagues, your suppliers, your customers, to learn more about them on a personal basis and to demonstrate acknowledgement of their hard work and dignity. For although this too seems like extra effort with no reward, the reward actually comes when these people reciprocate on this action by showing up to your meeting on time and prepared, or by paying your invoice on time, or getting their share of a project done on time simply because they like working with you and they enjoy the respect you show them. That's the payoff. That is the dividend. This podcast is being brought to you by the Bristol Group, which specializes in soft skills training in time management, project management, and business communication skills, as well as understanding Bitcoin and the blockchain, all that craziness. The Bristol Group delivers workshops on-site, online, and through individual private coaching. For more information, check out their website at www.bristol.com, that's B-R-I-S-T-A-L-L.com, and follow them on Twitter at Bristol Group. The Value of Work I remember sending a change of address notification to my company's law firm. No big deal, right? We send those out to everybody all the time. But two weeks later, I received an invoice from them for $50. Professional services for updating the address in their files. Now that seems like a lot, right? But lawyers are taught early on. Time is money. As soon as you start giving the results of your expensive education and experience away, as soon as you give your expertise away, people start expecting that regularly. And think also what it says about you, that you are willing to give away your hard-won expertise. Not everybody is going to respect that. They might even start to question just how good you actually are. So see, that's the problem. It seems like it might be the right thing to do, to be nice. But by giving away the very thing people respect about you, you might also be diluting your brand and your credibility. And that's not a great thing to hear, but it is human nature. Humans judge. And the best intentions might turn out to do less for you than you would like. It might even be damaging. This is the same whether you give away a half hour of your services or when you delay the start of a meeting because someone is late. It happens when you take on extra requests or drop in visitors just because it seems too difficult to say no. 
But remember, the word no can also function as the first two letters of the phrase not at this moment, which opens you up to another word that contains the letters N and O, and that is negotiate. Everything can be negotiated. So rather than give away your time, negotiate suitable alternatives that maintain your image of flexibility without sacrificing your value in your eyes or in theirs. The value of carryover momentum. Very often I get asked by people how to take care of giant tasks that will take hours to do. Let's say, for example, a bunch of backlogged work or a big project. The temptation is to say I will book off an entire day or a week to take care of this in one go. Now, if you can do that and if it works, then good for you. I will never argue against something that works for you. But most people will never successfully do this. But there is a better option, and I call it carryover momentum. As I have already mentioned, the power of planning is an amazing thing. Whatever day of the week it is that you're listening to this podcast, think back to what you were doing exactly one week ago. It doesn't seem like seven days, does it? It's not fair how quickly time seems to fly, but that's life, and that is also how memory works. If you are faced with a task that is too big to get done all at once, the chances are that another week will slip by and then another and then another. Though this might be considered procrastination, it's not always the case that you're actually consciously putting something off as just never quite getting around to it. And there is a difference. So to that end, there is this principle called carryover momentum, in which it becomes possible to break up a large task and then schedule and deal with it regularly and consistently in smaller blocks over a period of days. For example, if you were to assign a one half hour per day to a project, you wouldn't feel that much headway had been achieved after the first half hour of the first day. But if you were able to do this and work on this project one half hour each workday for a month, that's 10 hours behind you. For larger scale projects, that one half hour per day, even with weekends and holidays off, becomes around 125 hours over the year, the equivalent of three 40 hour weeks. That is a lot of time. Now, the reason why I call this technique carry-over momentum goes to the workings of the brain. By returning to an ongoing task on a daily basis, preferably, but not necessarily, at the same time each day, the mind continues to retain and access the creative momentum of that previous day. It significantly reduces the amount of that, hmm, let's see now, where was I feeling, that happens when a project is picked up after a week or two of inactivity. So this is yet another example of how to capitalize on the strengths of the human brain to get the right work done in the right way within the constraints of a busy day and a busy week and a busy month. So if you are facing a large project at work and you feel overwhelmed by the size of it all, do not despair. That sense of overload is normal. It's mental paralysis, the manifestation of the fight-or-flight reflex that drains nutrients from the thinking area of the brain. But it can easily be treated by using a calendar to lay out a collection of half-hour blocks across the days and weeks as a recurring activity and taking that giant task or backlog on one bit at a time, regularly, day by day, just like as the expression goes, how you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. 
Of course, such a thing must be coordinated and prorated according to the project's deadline, but instead of putting it off and putting it off, only to be faced with a high-stress situation closer to that deadline, just like my email discussion earlier, you can consciously plan. Invest in some planning time to break down this task into manageable amounts. Where once you had a mountain blocking your view, you now have a mountain with a staircase carved into it. The value of downtime. The final point I want to make in this edition of the Cool Time Life podcast is the value of downtime. This includes breaks during your day and most importantly focuses on stepping over that big red line at the end of your workday that can and must be the divider between work life and home life. In episode 6 of Cool Time Life, the metabolism episode, I talked about sleep and melatonin, and I don't plan to repeat myself here, of course, other than to say that sleep is the single greatest investment in productivity of your entire 24-hour day. The value of downtime is in part due to its chemical capacity to help your brain and body repair the damage of the day, boost the immune system, both through the pleasure of sleep as well as in the pleasure of enjoying life, time spent with your family, your friends, your pets, and your hobbies. Your phone needs recharging, your car needs refueling, and you know what? So do you. Downtime has value in balancing out your day and preparing your energy and your excellence for the next day to come. Burning the midnight oil, working late into the night, simply diminishes tomorrow's potential. In this case, you are drawing from a well. Either use the water tonight or use it tomorrow, but you can't do both. So there you have it, our little podcast on the value of your time. If it helps, put a currency value on your hours. Say, I am worth X number of dollars or pounds or euros per hour. Picture yourself walking along with a stack of bills in your hand. Every time you give your time away, even in the smallest, minute instance, every time you work without a plan, you let one or more of those bills fly away upon the breeze, never to come back. No one really wants to do that. And you don't have to do that. Understanding the value of your time is a conscious choice. It is a practiced habit, but you are worth it. It is worth communicating to others, and it is worth sustaining. If you have a comment about our show or a question you would like answered in a future edition, please do let me know. You can drop me a line through the contact form on my webpage, steveprentice.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Stephen Prentice, that's S-T-E-V-E-N-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E. And you can even support us on Patreon if you wish. The details, again, are at the steveprentice.com website, S-T-E-V-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E.com. Just look under the My Podcast link. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe via iTunes, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify, and consider leaving a review. The theme music for Cool Time Life was obtained through podcastthemes.com, and the show was sponsored by the Bristol Group, providers of time management, project management, and business communications training for our very busy working world. So, until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Thanks for listening.